everybody this is the spawn on me cast this is Khalif, and this is cicero we are from bacago uh and we have a really 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 dope uh guest today uh cicero you want to say what's going on how you doing uh yeah hey what's happening what's happening everybody you know i was letting you get your moment in oh i'm sorry this is this is really happening right now <laughs> i guess so yeah i guess so it's really happening you know that's how that's how the internet works um we have sean alexander allen today uh the man the myth the legend the maker and creator of treachery in beatdown city uh what's going on sean how's everything everything's you know stressful but pretty good <laughs> otherwise <laughs> i know you are deep in mega crunch right now you're tapping away doing things even while we are chatting right now so i know that you have a lot of stuff on your plate yeah i can't even can't even really work on the game right now i have to just work on the kickstarter which yes which you just started a couple wait what was that a couple days ago last a week, week ago like a week like ago? thursday last thursday yeah okay oh man so so the kickstarter is up and running um do you want to actually let's get into a little bit of what treachery and beatdown city is and give an overview so folks will know exactly what it is before we get into the kickstarter info yeah no doubt um it's funny i was actually like uh, I was googling, seeing what if anybody, if there were any comments on any of the art, because we got a lot of articles put up about it. And one of the backers actually uh, went on a on a forum and started like talking about it, and everybody was just like, "This looks like the worst thing ever." <laughs> and they're like, "Cause." Because, I mean, the basic thing is that, you know, I love brawlers. Like, Double Dragon is this weird game. It's the for me especially because, like, I was like a mixed-race black kid growing up. And somehow, I don't know really how, but two of my best friends were also mixed-race black kids. Like, we just went to the same school and we just ended up becoming, like, part of this weird trio. And all from different parts of the city. And... We played Double Dragon a lot at one of my friends' house, and so we'd play, like, two-player, multiplayer, and then, you know, as I got older, like, my other friend, other mixed-race black kid who was, like, part Native American also, we became really good friends, Right. and I would go to his house, and I'd play Ninja Turtles there, and we would play Double Dragon 3, where if you die, you die, like, you have one life in that game, so right. we actually we actually made a fighting game mod out of it, where the one where you could have friendly fire on... And we would clear out the first room and fight each other to the death. And then whoever <laughs> won got to play the game. So it's like, you know, it's it's like Double Dragon as a series has had this. And fighting game Street Fighter and everything, that was a part of that original trio, too. We all play Street Fighter. Uh, my friend would uh, siphon quarters off of his laundry money so that we could go play Street Fighter. And then his dad would, his dad was meticulous. <laughs> and he would say, like, he'd just say, yeah. I told you to put it in for 40 minutes and you put it in for 35 and you would beat the crap out of him <laughs> over playing Street Fighter. So, I mean, this was like a weird reality that I had, like playing Street Fighter for like a bunch of poor kids was like, and Double Dragon, this was like really meaningful. And and then I kind of got into RPGs like Final Fantasy 4, Final Fantasy 6, Secret of Mana. Uh, then I started getting into tactics with Ogre Battle and Final Fantasy Tactics and you know, up to today, I'm at like Final Fan, uh, playing like a lot of like Street Fighter Four. I'm finally good at Street Fighter as an adult. And uh, I was just talking about how bad I am at this game. Yeah, it's 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 a hard. Yeah, I took a long time to get there. Like I, I don't know. I play a lot of Monster Hunter, play Fallout Three, played XCOM. So I was kind of like 
I was I wanted to make this beat 'em up after a lot of lot of stuff. So it's like a beat 'em up that's a tactical RP. It's a beat 'em up with a tactical RPG spin where you can walk around in this side-scrolling environment like real time. Just walk around, do whatever you want. You've got a quick attack where you can actually tap on a button and just strike. But you have a you have a you have FP, which are fight points, and you have a combo meter, which uh, has three segments and you start off with all three and every time you want to attack with this combo menu with a attack on that menu each move has an has fp and every sync they have different fp based on how powerful or how reliable the moves are and then every move has at least one combo meter spend per move that you do so if okay. you use like an if you do def if you do like a punch that's weak or a punch that's strong you use one one uh, bar of meter so you can do up to three moves at a time we try to encourage it it's like you try to build combos but you could just do an uppercut here and then go grab a dude and suplex him or whatever and it it's kind of to make it so that people who you know like i couldn't do a sharyuken when i was a kid but i love street fighter i wanted to play that game i love the psychology of that game i love the like the tactical na- tactile nature of double dragon i just loved all those games so much that i was like and there's this game called hybrid heaven on n64 which was not the best game but it was like this weird rpg that had wrestling elements in it right and it was made by konami and it was like the weird answer to metal gear for n64 and it was nowhere near as good as metal gear but the <laughs> but the turn-based but the like you were in a 3d environment one-on-one with enemies and you could do moves from a menu but like i I remember that game and I was like, no, but I want to make a game that's all about comboing and all about kind of simplifying the execution while also increasing the amount of things that you can do just by putting them on a menu. And, you know, we've, we've shown the game to lots of different people, uh, to people who don't play fighting games at all. We went to Evo last year and everybody, like not everybody, but most people really love the game. Like we've got press who see it and they're like, ah, you know, a brawler, cool, whatever. And then they play it and they're like, oh, can I get an interview? Because I think this game is really dope. So it's like the fact that like, it's just funny that I know it's like a hard sell on paper, but like we really wanted to make this game that was beautiful, that has a lot to do with New York, but also has a lot to do with just like all the games that we really love to play. Cause my programmer learned how to speak like my programmers, uh, programmers, Italian and Taino descent and he learned how to speak. He learned how to like read playing Dragon Quest. Really? Wow. So like wow. when he was like four, like he beat like Shin Megami game when he was like four. So like, you know, <laughs> RPGs and this stuff are in our blood. So it's like we want to make an interesting game that's hearkening back to all that, but also trying to push the genre forward. Because as an artist, I don't like doing things like 75%. Like my wife, she's a fine artist. And like we both went to the same school, uh, School of Visual Arts. And you learn a lot there that like you can't like half-ass things. If you're gonna go in, you, teachers are gonna just rip you apart. Right. So you actually have to go in with a real intent, and then try to execute on that intent. And getting seventy-five percent there, like teachers will still like give you a C or a D and fail you or whatever. Because like if you didn't get to where you, if you got to the end and it wasn't so great, they'll give you a decent grade. If you don't get to the end, they're just like I don't even want to see your project. Right. So it's like, you know, I gotta, I gotta go all in. Right. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that when I first, uh, became aware of the game, 
Um, I first became aware of the game actually through a giant bomb post from Patrick Klepek that you had uh, had an interview with them uh, on. And um, the 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 gameplay that was shown was really, really was really interesting because of all the combinations of brawler and RPG elements. And you can see now that I'm hearing what you just said, all you can see all that those influences really kind of touch upon it. Um, is it is there other bits and pieces maybe that are you know media based uh you know cicero and i were talking precast about um if if the warriors had any any influence on uh the game uh the genre and uh, necessarily the motif of, of the game itself besides you know all the other games that you talked about uh double dragon and stuff like that um sort of like it wasn't really a hallmark when i was a kid yeah i don't know um It'd be, it'd probably be, I, I think part of it definitely was, uh, the, I, like working at Rockstar, like, like I, I wanted to work there when I saw their stickers, like, you know, back in 2000, like I love right, their brand right, and right. they're a company that's known for making like really cool brands within their world. Right. So that. I think led me to like, and I like they released the Warriors, and I thought the Warriors are really, really well realized game, based on a really well realized movie. Right. But I kind of came to that movie a lot later. I don't know. I don't know. Like Ninja Turtles was always like my thing as a kid. That was more sure. of it. But like the the movie, I love that movie. That movie's like definitely <laughs> like a, a funny ode to New York in a lot of ways because they say the wrong streets and whatever, but right. <laughs> they make jokes. Like the I love the joke where Raphael's chasing Casey Jones and he gets hit by a cab, and a guy's like, "What was that?" And the cab driver says, "Looked like some big turtle." Now you were going to JFK, and he's like, "It doesn't matter." Right. Like, that, that felt very I Midnight Cowboy. I don't know. Like these odes to New York are definitely. Like when you see a creator who makes a game, and I mean like crazy movies also, you know, like a lot of 80s movies, like just the just the tone of them, kind of the humor that's going on in here is definitely a big influencer. Yeah, you can see a lot of the, in the art, um, the New York, New York influence. You know, we're both either born and bred or living. I'm living in New York now and Cicero used to live in New York. Um, so you can see all the flavors and bits and pieces that you had put into the game that are very, very New York centric. You even updated your Kickstarter and, uh, with a, a talk about graffiti and how all those things are kind of being removed and how those bits, how those, how those things kind of added to the flavor of not only the art, but the way that, uh, you're, you're telling the game through its story. Can you, can you dig into that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the the devil's in the details in a lot of ways. Um, I, you know, just growing up, I, I, it was really weird. Like, I grew up, I'm, I was really actually trying to find pictures of this. Um, there was a Chico mural down the street from me because on 13th Street between First and A in the in the 80s and 90s, there were no businesses at all. Right. right and I right. honestly. There was like there was like the post office and there was like the back of a Catholic church, but that was about it. And down the street, there was this crazy Joker mural that Chico put up right next to like holding a gun with him smiling right next to a giant mural of these like bare breasted women, like with spears and like these, <laughs> these cavemen, like killing saber tooth tigers. And it was 
the wildest thing. And there was like a door and kids would always go in that door. And my mom's <laughs> like, yeah, you're not a, you're not allowed to go in there. And I was like, I was always curious what was in there. It felt like weird, like foot soldier type thing <laughs> behind the doors. I don't know what was in there. And so, you know, it's just seeing all these things. Like, you know, you see you're, you're bombarded with like, uh, like learn guitar or whatever. Like there's so many signs that people are putting up and, you know, you just absorb all that media. And I feel like, I, I think it's funny. Like we're in a city where people go out of their way to write post no bills on things. Right. And then people just go crazy with like advertisements for everything on the planet, like from clubs to like movies or new album releases and they just paint over it. People rip it down. People put more stuff up over it. They scribble all over movie posters. And I think that's, that's pretty interesting. Like the, like, uh, you know, brand recognition's interesting. I, I, I used to again, come back to rockstar. Like they, they sticker bomb New York. If you ever notice like oh, yeah. that, they're all over the place. And it's kind of an interesting thing because they are a corporation essentially. Right. And I was walking to work one day and I saw someone put a, there was a, I would always see this rockstar stickers by on my way. And they, whoever was doing it was in a war with like indie <laughs> people because they kept putting stickers over other people's stickers. And then someone eventually put a big sticker that said, stop corporate vandalism over. And it was pretty funny. Like, so nice. it's just like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm someone who always kind of, just pays attention to the details for whatever reason. And they just really stick with me. So I'm trying to throw like little posters and, you know, I, I also want to avoid like having to tell a story always through words. So I want to like throw up like, you know, a TV in the background that has the news on it or like a, or a brand. And then you're like, Oh, what's that brand or some graffiti art? And you're like, Oh, who, who put up that graffiti? And it's right. like, most likely, I have an answer for all that. Nice. It's kind of a kind of a hefty amount of stuff to remember yeah, or think absolutely. about. But I I honestly think that people shouldn't always. I don't think there's anything like art for art's sake. Like if you're doing something that's based in reality, right? And it's not just surrealism or like abstract art, like because that's perfectly fine. I love surrealism, but even that should have something behind it, right? So like if I'm gonna put graffiti in this world, I don't want to just like do it for no reason. Like I want to actually be able to explain because the world exists for a reason, like things that are on the walls. Uh, like you just see like, why did this person tag up this poster? And it's like, probably cause they were bored, but they probably put their name on it. So that's actually like a real person. Right. Yeah. There's, there's so many things that you see nowadays, especially cause I, you know, I grew up in the early eighties and when everything was tagged up, the subways were tagged up and every subway station was tagged up. And, you know, you kind of had an idea, especially depending upon what borough you're from. I'm, I was from the Bronx and, um, you knew who the, the like quote unquote famous, famous graffiti artists were because you would see their stuff everywhere. And, and it was their hallmark. And, and, and the video that you kind of put into the, uh, your update, uh, talking about scheme was, was really kind of apropos. It, it kind of really made me think of, you know, what, what your game is trying to do in the space that it's in and what it's trying to represent as its brand. Not necessarily as its brand, but the, but the ideas that are trying to be conveyed with all the, the things that are, that are in it. You're being very thoughtful as far as why you're trying to do this game. Um, especially, uh, talking about representation for people of color. 
in games that are not just things that I'm making, but things in the in the bigger scheme and the bigger scope of gaming uh, as a whole. Um, do you want to go into some of that too? Yeah. Um. Same thing with like the idea of just things should be done thoughtfully. I mean, uh, I actually stumbled upon this post that one of my friends posted, and it was like there was a Q&A and it was someone asked the question, how did Europeans know what black people looked like? And it was in reference to <laughs> something like, oh, you know, their stories and stuff that you read. And someone, the answer was because black people are all over the world. Like they weren't <laughs> not in Europe, like back in the right. day, like if you look at old Greek art, like Greek, Greece was trading with Egypt. Like they got a lot of their culture from Africa. Right. Right. Like there were black, like, like if like the whole, it's just so bizarre to me because like, People don't seem to realize that, like, the whole, like, the reason why white people exist is, or is because, like, it was harder for black people to get vitamin D as they were traveling throughout the world, and many <laughs> of them died because of it. But not all of them died, as there are still giraffes and there are horses. People change over time. Skin color is, like, a thing that came out of necessity, not out of, right. like, you're now inferior to me because you have darker <laughs> skin color than me. Right. So it's, like, the fact that people create these worlds that are just, like, this world of white people or whatever. I mean, I know there it's, it doesn't exist really. Right. And it's just sort of weird, especially in America, how people just are very colorblind and decide to always just push people to the back. And they just, they just don't think about, I, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know if they think about it, but I honestly think that people just want to make the games that they want to make without any sort of uh, consequence or even thinking about like the story, like deeper, um, we've had, like, there's a lot of talks with a lot of different, uh, people who write for games and, uh, definitely over the last year, there's been a whole lot of, well, why did you make a game about religion and race if that doesn't affect your life? And it's like, right. oh, that's what I wanted to do. And there's a, <laughs> why don't you feature women in your game? It's like, eh, I wanted to make a game with men. Like, there's no real answer beyond this. Right. And then there's like, oh, well, why does... Why does this woman go around killing a million people if that's not a part of the story? Yeah, that's video games. And I just, I think that's kind of stupid. It's like, do you have to actually, like, do you have to throw shooting into everything? Do you have to throw, like, can you not, if you're going to have three men in a game, why can't one of them be a woman? Like, right. why can't you feature a woman instead of three men? Like, I don't know. Or why do you have to feature, like, a classic dude bro guy just running around killing everybody? Like, whether regardless of race, religion, or creed, just because he's trying to stop himself from becoming a monster or something. It's just like, I don't think people, like, they they think about it, maybe, I guess. I don't know. But, I mean, I've been working on one game idea, story-wise, that I, like, told my wife about on our second date. And I've been working on this. I started working on a comic, and he was a white dude, like a white character, and it actually didn't make sense for him to necessarily be any race because he's like kind of a mythological character. And then I started thinking about that and you know, 15 years later, I'm like, Oh, maybe he doesn't have to be a white dude with white hair and a trench coat because that was what was, you know, big in the nineties. Right. 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 But it doesn't, right. it doesn't have to be that way. Like, and I, I actually was in a class talking to them about the realities of AAA and like why I went indie and stuff like that. And there was like, like three black kids in the class which is pretty good for the fact that the class is like a thousand dollars like it's such a expensive class i'm just like what like that's so expensive for kids in the city to right, have right. any s and uh, it's like something i can't pay for my daughter to go to 
I came and sp- spoke at a class and brought her with me, and she couldn't have gone to this class. I don't have a thousand dollars for <laughs> for like six weeks. Um, and so there was a kid and cult. I mean, I noticed like a lot, there's a lot of culture and, you know, Wu Tang was very, uh, in depth about their cultural creation because they, you know, they adopted the 5% nation along with Kung Fu. So they created this weird, they, you know, they created a mythology about the, you know, the Asiatic black man. Like it was just like this combination of two cores of like the world to try to, keep this like yeah it's stuff from the east stuff from the west cool whereas like a lot of kids like you know i feel like they're they don't they don't see any of that and they they make like just white characters when they're like a black kid and you're just like why did you make that kid they're like that's what makes sense to me and it's just like why does that make sense to you don't you want to be powerful don't you want to be this kid because a lot of people have been working on this for a really long time and it's because the media pretty much just tells them that that's the default character. Right. Shepard is a default white man. Oh, we've got a new, we've added a woman. Oh, no. Well, she's a red-haired woman, white woman. <laughs> You're like, why couldn't she have been a black woman? I don't know. It's a Chinese woman, whatever. Do whatever right. you want. But it's just yeah. so weird that, like, a game like Mass Effect uh, has deeper, like, weird bird people or, like, crazy people than like the black people that are in the thing they're like eh, he's got dad issues that's his story right, whereas like right, t- like right. garris has like this deep like multi-tier thing but like the the one black guy they put in the thing might get or like anderson's just like this weird ambiguous person when he could be a lot more interesting and it just right. feels like they like they like people people make games just let their let their lust for mythology just go for like leaving out any details that don't matter to them. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, the best religions or whatever and the best mythologies, like, you know, you, when you read the Iliad, uh, or the Odyssey, rather, Odysseus would take a knee and cry to himself every once in a while. That's an interesting detail that they wouldn't put in a game now because they're like, that's not manly. That doesn't right. work with our focus <laughs> testing. Men don't like crying. And it's just right. like, see, that's yeah, the but, thing though. Odysseus in the game of today would not be kneeling to cry. He'd be kneeling to power up. He'd right. be kneeling to tap X to have sex with a woman. <laughs> that's what he'd be doing. Like that's cause that's all, that's all you can do in games now is murder and, and have sex, which is so bizarre. Like, yeah. So Sean, uh, yeah. So, that was that was impassioned about where we are in the state of games right now now i guess the the question that i that i would pose to you is how do we what responsibility do we have as consumers of the product or or in in your case a developer of the product you're doing something with with treachery and beatdown city but what would be the solution to to this problem that we're having with with games and and it's it's lack of imagination when it comes to the characters i uh it's funny it's like i feel like we need to totally just knock everything on its head i don't even know what the solution for a lot of it is because it almost seems like you need like i don't know because it's just weird it's like we have this old guard of people who are just writing whatever they want and nobody like even even a lot of independent developers when they make like a story or something it's got some weird problems in it and it's right. just like 
I mean, I guess we're fairly still young, right? We're still a young industry. Everybody wants everything to go so fast because the polygon counts are going up. But I mean, film was really, I, I sort of think in some ways old film is still better. Like old film reminds me of like Super Mario Brothers, but then like old film, you know, it had its rocky points, but it's still Absolutely. weird. It's like, we're not, we're not, like, like, I, I mean, I've said before, like, we're not even at like black exploitation level where it's like, these are movies that are starring people that no, weren't normally in movies, but we're right. going to like do some right. weird genre films with them. Right. You know, those movies like enable right. people like Samuel L. Jackson and people like, um, all them to see this and say, nah, I don't want to be that person. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's where like movies like Hollywood Shuffle came from and they right. enabled Absolutely. and movies like, and you know, we're still in Hollywood where there's still terrible problems. Right. Like, like you put like Idris Elba, like he can't be a leading dude in a lot of movies. He's got to be exactly. like, he's got to be the background of Thor. And I'm like, he's the best actor in the entire movie right. in most movies that he's in. Like, right. Mm-hmm. So he's in the back. He can't be the lead guy. Like, um, they play down Vin Diesel being like biracial. They like the rock oh, is probably the best leading, like black, black person he made the in... most money last year of all. Yeah, actors. That's crazy. He made like a $2 billion or something nuts. But, um, but I mean, we're still in Hollywood where like a black man can't have a white girlfriend in a movie because that doesn't focus test. Right. I mean, so, you, I mean, you have all those things, right? You have the, you have the idea of you kind of balance it on both sides where, People are still trying to say, like you said earlier, we want people to be colorblind to this. We want people to just be the characters that they are. But if you don't want to have people who are in the same spaces having the conversations about their experiences in a real way, how do you get those experiences into the games that we all want to play? You know, you know, how do you how do you balance that out? It feels like sometimes the conversation that goes to how do we make the games better bounce themselves off the off the conversation about the world saying, you know, how are we going to make race relations better period? You know, it feel like they go kind of hand in hand. Am, am I wrong? Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think, I mean, one of my big things right now, and this is kind of goes a little hand in hand. It's, and it's, it's hard because as a, as a guy who's working with, you know, like one other person essentially to build the game from scratch. And then, you know, a couple of other people to, you know, work on the art and everything. It's like, I'm trying to work, really hard on creating a bigger advocacy space and i know a lot of people are too but i mean it's like the this industry in a lot of ways does not care Hmm. like it's still old world dudes shaking each other's hands they don't necessarily care about new voices and i don't honestly know how that's going to happen like it's like yeah the world whatever but at least you know you can see a movie like hollywood shuffle and that exists whereas it's going to be where we still have like 75% of the games that star black people are all, it's all DLC. Right. Like, I mean, we've got like <laughs> right. Assassin's Creed slave right. DLC. It's right. like, that right. couldn't be the game. Like that has to be the DLC. You got to buy the, the thing that we're not going to put any money to market. We're just going to put it out to the side <laughs> or right. like, so, I mean, this, this industry is specific just seems like they don't care. And it's like, it's gonna, it's taking like pulling teeth to try to get anybody over there. And it's like, I'm really, I feel like I'm in that part where I'm sick of it. Like I got really sick of it really quickly, just going to GDC like my first year and having a conversation with someone 
And they were like, we're making a, a Bob Marley game. And I'm like, you got any black people on your team? And they're like, no, but we're looking for some. And they still don't. I've seen a current picture of their team. And it's just like, like, <laughs> then how are you going to express like what like Bob Marley as a person like reflected oh, to a black man. person back in the day? Right. Like, because people don't even think about that. They're like, oh, black people. Yeah. And it's like, no, but things matter to different people for different reasons. Like people are like, yeah, we got Obama as a president. It's like, yeah, well. That looks different. Like a black kid before didn't see himself as the president. Right, right. Whereas right. now he sees a president and he's like, that's a career goal I can have. Right, right. So it's, it's, it's like deeper. It's not just, oh, there's a person there. Oh, there are people here. And it's also people have different cultural experiences. So it's just like, <clears throat> like a white kid who grew up listening to hip hop versus a black kid who grew up listening to hip hop. They have different experiences with it because you can't possibly have the same experience because you don't live the same life. Right. Like right. I was actually having the right. conversation with my daughter uh, yesterday. She was getting kind of frustrated. It's actually pretty funny because I was just, I think I dig deep. I've been deep digging deep into the like, into the rabbit hole of like racial stuff recently. And I was explaining to her how the world works. And, you know, she's <laughs> a Puerto Rican girl. And I say like, you know, cops aren't really here for us. Like right. they're here for the top 1%. Like, cause she was asking me about like, uh, someone got like mugged or something and they were just picking up like, Oh, they were just picking up like black people and it was supposed to be a light skinned person. And they were like, is this them? Hmm. And she was very confused by that. And I was like, yeah. And, and, uh, I was explaining to her how like, you know, like Disney channel glosses over all that stuff, but like, so it's getting worse in media, I think, because we used to have different strokes where, you know, they had a group of white kids who took Arnold into a store with him and they used him as bait so that they could steal. <laughs> and then they ran out. I remember and that. Stuck. <laughs> and you're like, damn, that is real. That's reality happening right. on primetime television, a sitcom. You're like, right. holy crap. And we're now in the world where it's just like, I, I made this joke. Cause like the wizards of Waverly places like Selena Gomez and whatever. And I'm like, I think the biggest magic trick they made is that they are a Mexican family living on Waverly Place in Manhattan. Like, right. like, you know, a giant, like they, like their dad owns a business. Like, that's awesome. Like, that is something that, like, you wouldn't, you like, they, but they never talk about that aspect of it. They just talk right. about, like, oh, we're wizards. That's the thing that makes us weird. And I'm like, no, like, socioeconomically, <laughs> you are, like, the best. You, you have achieved the American dream. You have a large family, a giant apartment. You're well adjusted. No one treats you like crap because of who you are. Like, you are a fantasy. Like, the wizard part, whatever. Like, that's right. that's next. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually really telling. I mean, it's one of those it's one of those crazy things that when you think about it, you're like, you know, you really are not focusing on the right part in this story. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. I I mean, it was one of the things when um when I first, when I actually, when I first saw the trailer for the Kickstarter, um, there are a lot of names that pop up in the beginning of characters in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like the main, one of the main character, Lisa Santiago, like last names like Santiago, Lee, Delgado, Rod- Rodriguez. Yeah. Those, those things talk to me in a way of like, I understand those names in a way that a lot of people, you know, my wife is from the Midwest. I'm, fr- I'm from the Bronx and, her family don't, they don't see those names where they live. Right. You know, I, I, I've grown up with the diversity around me and even the diversity around me is still plagued with all the other kind of racist 
socioeconomic differences that we all have to deal with as people of color. Yep. Um, it, it, it's really kind of telling to, to see those things in your game. And again, goes back to the thoughtfulness that we were talking about before. Um, and that thoughtfulness, I guess, also comes out when we talk about, you know, you, your wife helped you on this game, mm-hmm. um, Diana. Yep. And, um, she was a, a really big impetus on, uh, from what I remember in the talk that you had at, at Indiecade of incorporating her art into, uh, Lisa coming into fruition. Yep. Um, can you, can you talk a little bit about, about that? Yeah. I mean, she's, um, she's a amazing fine artist. Uh, she was a painter while I was in computer art and like, I don't know. I had, it's kind of funny because like I followed my girlfriend from high school to, uh, SVA and we broke up for a number of reasons. And I think one of the key reasons is I like, she was like a photographer and I just didn't respect her art, which is like, you know, <laughs> neither here. It's just kind of how I felt, you know, an 18 year old kid. I was kind of like, right. you're a photographer and mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. what else do you, what else do you aspire to? Oh, photography. I'm like, so I, I met Diana. Diana's a photographer. She's a painter. She, <laughs> she has a web series, like a, a, like a comedy web series. Like she is a very versatile woman who, like, you know, she knew what she wanted in life and she had like, you know, she was in school to learn a lot about her stuff. And she's always dealt with this weird aspect where all her stuff, she would make these three by four foot paintings like they were humongous. And it would be, you know, with her and her best friend and like her daughter and like other people. And she mostly she only painted women and she painted with a past palette knife, which is crazy because you don't have brush strokes with that. You have these giant thick globs of paint Hmm. it was this amazing style that i just loved and when she wanted to work on the project i you know i i kind of had this weird you know worship of older streets of rage artwork and stuff like that and i didn't know if she would be able to work on that but when she made like i'm always second guessing my own artwork and nothing more than drawing women like gets me vexed because i just it just was not my thing i've gotten a lot better since then i think because she's helped me so much with her critique of my art uh, in a non-hurtful way because i used to have people who said like oh you made her look like a monkey and i'm like that's no good (laughs) like you know when you put those defining lines around the like right above the lip like you start making people look kind of apish and it's like yeah okay (laughs) But like, you're not even a visual, like I had not even visual artists like giving me like flack for it. And it's like, you're not helping. Like <laughs> if you can't give me any tips, then don't tell me. But she gives me like straight up tips and, and she made Lisa. And it's funny because everybody who I know who knows her is like, I see why she looks like this. Cause she looks like your wife. Right. And, uh, so like anybody like Seth Killian, like he's a friend of mine and he's when he saw the game, he was like, huh, that's your wife. Like, so it's just funny. Like you see, you, he met her like once a long time ago. So that's, what's funny. Like <laughs> that everybody sees that. And it's, it's interesting because I think having a, and it's weird for me also, because I always want to make a cover. And the first time I drew a cover, it had Lisa kind of in the same position that she's in now, like in the front and the two guys behind her. Right. And then I thought with the weird, like video game world, like, man, maybe people won't go for like a female protagonist, like Mm. who's in front of the dudes. Like, Mm -hmm. so we're going to have to like put her to the side. We're going to do an alternate art. And we never really did an alternate art and it ended up coming out. Like she's dead center in front and she's the first person you use in the game. You go through the tutorial with her because I actually specifically wanted to avoid 
the idea, I wanted to give people this intrinsic value of her as a character because I didn't want someone to say, I don't want to use the girl. And then just, I'm like, nah, you're going to use the girl. Like, right, at right. least for a third of the first map. And you're going to see that she's kind of badass. So you're going to want to use her. I've had a lot of guys who play the game who pick her because, you know, there's a lot of guys who pick women in the game. And I'm like, and I don't think anybody notices really, but I think people would otherwise if you made a big stink about it. So I try not to. I'm just like, hey, this is our characters. She's really cool. She's our medium character. She's not weak. Right. She's like the character that's not the fast character who right. who does all this stuff. She's got strong punches. Streets, we kind of made Streets her... of Rage 3 says hello. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, Blaze Fielding, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Blaze, she's okay. She's still in the background, though. She has no story in that game. Right. She's just like, she's just Axel's friend. Right, right, exactly. Right. And that's another tip. weird game because they get rid of Adam, <laughs> and then they don't ever bring him back. Like, right. oh, you find him in the second game, but instead of bringing him back, you get a kangaroo and an old robotic man. <laughs> like, it's just that weird, like, yo, you can't have two black... I mean, what's cool is Streets of Rage, I think, I think, is the first, like, black protagonist in, like, a game, even, that isn't, like, a sports game or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah at be. least beat-em-ups. At he, least beat-em-ups. He, he and I think they had a black dude in a game from, I think it was either Taito called Renegades that had a black dude. And it was like DJ Boy, but he had no face. He just had like a right, cap. Right, yeah. yeah, no, I remember that game. And there's a there's another beat 'em up that came out that exact same year, and it was like four dudes, and it was like a like a Asian dude, a black dude, and two white guys. And I don't know if it came out at the same time, but none of those guys had any sort of personality. Yeah, right. Like right. they weren't like like it was just four dudes are going out to save the world, whereas like Streets of Rage actually said, "Yo, this is this guy Adam over here. He has right. his own story." That we're gonna get rid of in the next game. We're gonna <laughs> brother. I don't know. I don't know why, but I always kind of felt like they gave him roller skates in some weird racial way. Maybe. <laughs> no, there's a lot of those characters, like in a lot of those games, where they think it's that weird, like black equals athletic. Mm-hmm. Which, yes, right. I understand, but still, not all of it. Like, I'm not very athletic. <laughs> like, I'm, right. like, I'm a tall, I'm a tall, fit dude, and like. I mean, I guess I can roller skate. Not in the city, really. But, like, I mean, I just, I'd rather sit in front of a computer. Word. Same here. I'm part of Although the Rhythmless Nation. That's becoming the new stereotype, though. I think, like, the, yes. the black guy on social media all the time who's holding his phone. Really? Like, it's in, like, if you play, um, if you play, uh, a middle manager of justice, that double fine game. Yeah. Like, okay. Atman. His name's Atman. And that is, like, the at- <laughs> and he's got a phone. And I actually, I used him and I went out of my way. I like raised all his stats at everybody. I was like, yo, Atman's the best person in this game. But like he, all his, all his phrases are about social media. And it's interesting because if you actually look at like, like technolo- technology, like uh, uh, adoption, like black teens and uh-huh. like young adults are the highest rate with like Twitter and like Vine and all that stuff. Like they oh, yeah. are taking over those scenes. And I'm well, just like, that's it's, pretty interesting, but but don't the stereotype evil. them. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's don't like, come from the know, outside and be like, "Hey, look, <laughs> well, that's kind of weird that you're doing that." We're gonna make a character out of you. Right, <laughs> right. But you know, and the thing about it is, and, and part of that reason is because all of us grew up in the major metropolitan area in the country, uh, in the world, and we, you know, we've grown up in this in this very diverse group. But we always had lots of people that look like us around. Um, and, you know, the thing that we don't really comprehend sometimes is that for lots of us, lots of people of color, 
they're growing up in Wichita. They're growing up in, you know, Boise, Idaho. And they, you know, it may just be four or five kids in a high school. Mm-hmm. So to be able to reach out to people with similar interests um, all around the world, it's got to be a very, very empowering feeling um, that that up until social media really came around and came into prominence and became affordable, uh, access to it became affordable for the masses, a lot of these kids felt isolated. Um, so, I mean, it is a good thing, but, you know, obviously don't don't make it a stereotype now. Exactly. Well, don't you if even if it is a stereotype, don't just throw it in your game, because if you're right. not a part of that. Or right. you don't, or you're not working with anyone a part right. of that. Like it's right. kind of weird to turn a stat into a stereotype if you're not a part of that group. Right, <laughs> right. right, right, and it, yeah, if you yeah, if you don't even understand why how that's become a stereotype is really mm-hmm. is really the crime of it. You know, irrespective of of your race. Yep. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. It makes me think. I mean, there's, there's there's another question I wanted to ask you, but I wanted to just note it's. I'm, I'm thinking about back in the day, like all the like we we rifled off a couple of characters that we can just think of off the top of our head that you know when i play games if there's a black character i will pick them usually if there is a female character i will pick them um just because it, you know you you role play some of those bits and pieces in the games that I, that you play but it's also you don't see them always represented a lot and it made right. me think of the company uh that made the black football experience uh bcfx yeah and, yes. and, and it, it kind of harkens back to the conversation that we had a little bit earlier of what are the things that we can, that we can do and, and that devs can do, especially devs of color. Um, do you feel like there's going to ever be another company or something like that where a bunch of people of color get together and tell the stories that they want to tell? Um, I'm working towards that personally. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I, like, I, I actually, and I've, I, that was mentioned in the giant bomb thing. And I mentioned it and indicate I'm working on a, uh, movement type, an advocacy movement, uh, called you can make games too. Mm-hmm. And nice. it's about trying to, uh, talk to as many people as possible and trying to create a, like a web presence where people can go and get like tutorials and help on all that stuff, irrespective of who they are. But, you know, just, you know, knowing that like black and Latino people are, some of the like the fifty percent range of who buy games and play games. It'd be cool if they saw this like white sign in the front of a game that was like bold text, like "Go check out this website." Right, and right. then you could, or it's in the book with the game or whatever. And you're like, "Oh, I'm gonna go check out this." Oh, mm-hmm. cool. Right. And then maybe they'll keep making them. It's just, I mean, I, I know thing people are trying to start. Like I saw, there's this uh game called Beta out there. Oh yeah. Yep. And mm-hmm. I saw they, they posted a picture and they were up in Yonkers and it was just like like five black kids sitting around a table and I was mm-hmm. like, Wow, that's inspirational. Mm-hmm. Like I you don't even see that in New York City. Like I'm right, right. I'm usually fifty percent of the black people in the room, like at a games <laughs> event. I was I was the only one at a games event recently and I wanted to run away because I just <laughs> I, it's weird, like I don't like thinking about the world like that and I really didn't for a lot of my life. I mean I was I was raised by my mom, she's white. I never really met my dad, but I, you know, saw pictures of him when I was a kid. And I never really thought about it, but it's always been kind of thrown in my face. Like we grew, I grew up in a like a mostly Puerto Rican neighborhood, and 
it looked weird to have this kid who's slightly darker, curlier hair walking around with this white woman. Like, my mom wasn't inherently trusted. It was kind of weird. They thought she was a cop, like a lot of people. And it took her a long time because she was wow. the only white lady on the street, like, in 1980. Right. Like, she was the only white lady on the street. And this is, this is what my mom tells me. So, I mean, my mom's also born in 45. So she has weird, she's not the, she's, she's come into everything. Cause my mom used to be weirdly like, she didn't like, like she was weirdly gentrified, gentrifier, like white lady in the Puerto Rican neighborhood, like right. shouting about people blasting their stereos and stuff. Was like, yeah, but this is their neighborhood. Like you moved here. Uh, like I have a friend who complains about like he moved into a neighborhood near the West Indian Day Parade, and I I, oh, I troll right. him all the time, and I'm like I'm like, what's the matter, dude? You didn't right. check about the steel drums before right, you right. in this neighborhood, <laughs> like like this neighborhood. This was here before you, dude. Right. Like you can't complain that you moved into someone else's turf. This is their party, man. Right. Like this is their well, culture. Hallelujah! And why does everything smell like it? <laughs> yeah. So um, I just think you know, like my like, and I think about my mom, and it's like. I'm married to a Puerto Rican woman. Like my mom had had a kid with a black guy. She's from North Carolina. She took so much flack. Like I went down there with her when I was six, and everybody was kind of whispering around the table, like, "There's that kid," and it was just it was very weird to me. I felt that that was another place where I felt really weirdly out of place until we all sat down to a nice fried chicken dinner and I wanted if I was an adult if I had my adult mind I'd be like, "Ha ha, <laughs> what are y'all eating? We're all the same." Yeah. Get off and yes. so you know i just think i think everybody just has to i honestly think everybody in this industry everybody who has who's higher than me lower like like whatever i mean i'm actually probably closer to the bottom just because i've you know i've been i mean i'm a little higher than some people because i've have like quote unquote like real experience in the industry whatever right. whatever that means i've been at a big company and i've seen it from that side so i understand things a little differently I think everybody just needs to start jamming this down everybody's throat. Like it has to, like, I'm very impatient. And I think that's where, you know, revolutions come from. I remember on Mad Men, uh, like January Jones, like Betty's like sitting there and she's listening to the radio and they're talking about all the deaths and the civil war stuff and uh, civil rights, uh, activism. And she's like, maybe we don't need civil rights right now. If it's so violent. And her maid looks at her like, you must be out your damn mind. Like, mm-hmm. right. civil, like I don't want to have to be oppressed by you anymore. Right. Like you see the look in her face. And it's like, right. like, I think things only change when you have lots of people getting up and saying, we're all going to invade this space. Right. But yeah. as long as, I mean, it's moving so slowly right now. Do you feel like there's a lot of, cause I, I I had the pleasure of talking to you at Indiecade right uh, right before your panel, and um, I, I ran into you and TJ Thomas, and you were just uh, I ran into TJ afterward, um, and it, a lot of the conversations that I had with you by yourself and he uh, kind of touched touched on a lot of the same thing you just talked about. Do you, do you feel like there's going to be a way for people to 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 do more collaborative efforts? And get and get those kinds of things together because it feels like people are doing their individual projects, which is really important. Yeah. Um. But it also feels like there needs to be a, like you said, a bigger movement where people are gathering each other's uh, work and helping to push it out. Um. Uh, you know, Steam is one way that people have been able to get stuff out, but there's also been a lot of different avenues. 
uh, like Kickstarter and like uh, uh, a couple other things where Indiegogo and stuff where people have been pushing uh, workout. Um, is this something that you guys talk about? Not necessarily you and TJ, but other people of color who are who are devs who are making games. Are you guys talking uh, on the sides about working together and doing things? Um, I think it's growing. I am I'm weird because I think I've dealt with feeling like I'm out of place for so long, and mm-hmm. then and then. And then really seeing it, like I, it's a weird switch. Once you turn it on, it's like, um, they live. Like you just see everybody <laughs> and you're just like, oh, that's all these people are not like me. Like none of them have had the issues that I've had just because of the way that I look or like my genetics or whatever. And so like, um, I feel like a lot of people, I don't know. I, they don't see it that same way. I think they think it. And I've had a lot of people come up to me and say that they're very thankful that I'm putting into words because I don't care. Right. Like I have, <laughs> I, it's, I always make this joke. I'm like, I have a white entitled mom, even though she's like poor. My mom got me into school with the race card. Like when I was at SV, when I was trying to get NSVA and they're like, um, it seems like you're missing like $2,000 and we don't have any other loans for you to take. And my mom's like, that is, racist you're trying to keep a poor black child out of college and they were like oh excuse me let's look over here and oh yeah here we found the money like within like five it was stupid within five minutes they found like a terrible loan that really screwed me over but they found money for me to go to school right and like after that like i would come up short like by a thousand because SVA is expensive yes it is. i can't even imagine how expensive like it was like 16 grand when i started i'm sure it's probably up to like 25 now which is ungodly amount but and it may not have been the most valuable thing for me to do but i mean i met her in school so i think that's my 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 wife in school so that was the most important thing but um it's like it takes i feel like i feel like a weird burden but it's not a burden it's a burden i'm happy to take on because i'm i'm all about just ripping down establish i hate establishments in general like i don't like authority i don't like people telling me like no or that like you're any worthless like that's something that if you tell me that my opinions aren't valuable, we will get into a fight. Like, it's just like, and that's just who I am. And I feel like, and people, it's that touchy place where people don't want to tell me I'm wrong. And I'm like really trying to go and like lay out like at IndieCade, like I gave that talk and people really loved it because I took my time, I wrote like a 14 page paper for a, an hour long talk. And people were like, yeah. And like somebody asked me in the audience, they were like, well, why does it matter? Shouldn't it just be about the art and not the creator? And I'm like, and I said, so what you just asked was, why does a white person care if black people make games? And everybody laughed and people were like, <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm like you showed him. And it's just like, it just takes more of that. It just takes more of these going everywhere you can and trying to like ignite the fire under people and trying to help them and trying to promote stuff like uh within the last three months, like, two black people had Kickstarters that went up. This guy, uh, Tyreek, he uh-huh. made this game Catacomb Kids. Uh-huh. And that features all manner of, like, person, like, whatever skin color, which is cool, because it has a lot of different, like, variety of people. There, None of them are preset, I think. It's, like, kind of like a roguelike, like Splunky, but not really, that it's got a lot of it's very interesting game. He's been working on it a long time. I met him at GDC last year. And when he put up his Kickstarter, I like went after it. I was like, yeah, we're going to get this like overfunded. I, I, I went on Twitter and I harassed Warren Spector because he was <laughs> talking, because Warren Spector was talking to NYU the weekend before talking about how he likes games that have 
things that are just like whatever. Like if you make a rock, it's a rock. The rock right. can hurt anything that a rock could. There's no like, oh, you throw the rock at this wall, and for some reason this wall's special and the rock won't hurt it. So that's what that game was all about. And I went on Twitter. I'm like, yo, you should, you should check check this out. And I was harassing friends, and I was like, you should check this out. Like, and it got overfunded. Like, he asked for twenty grand, he got thirty grand. I'm not saying I did that, but I tried my best to help. Right, right, right. I'm like, I th- and I think that it just requires people. I think it requires everybody going in and just saying like, Hey, this person's doing this thing. This person has a unique voice. Uh, Sean Pierre, same name. Oh yeah. Sean is awesome. He made, uh, this game. These hot dogs are, these French fries are terrible hot dogs. It's a card game about deception. Uh, Yeah. I I love that. That was really cool. And he got, he went, he asked for four grand. He got like 15, I think. Wow. And you know, I mean, and again, I don't think I did anything for that, but I tried my best to like, spread the word because i just think it's important that when people see things created by other people that they just spread the word and they help tj's been helping you know retweeting all like everything that i say and you know tj and i we're on way different like tracks in life like tj it's funny because talking about twitter like i somebody retweeted something he said and i and i i've been actively going after any black or latino person that i see on twitter and following them and saying like yeah go make the games that you should make like i'm just trying to champion people and like actively take time out of my own mental space because i feel like it's so easy to just be at the top and like kick other people down or not hold the door for them right that's a that's a big problem that faces like you know minority communities is you get into a position and you're like yeah now let's focus on children. And it's like, well, what about the dude like two years older than you who wants to make games? Right. And they're like, hey, you know, focus on children because they're not going to take my job yet. Right. Like, yeah, I don't. Just, I like, can't people, stand you, you feel like you're lucky and there's this sense of scarcity. So you feel like if if you raise up some other black people that you might lose their job because you're no longer the token person. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I saw TJ and he had this mental string that was so close to me, despite him being from Vegas. And I'm me from New York. So that was so weird. And I was like, well, I like, I kind of harassed him to the point where he started following me. And like, <laughs> I just followed all his tweets. And I was like, you're such an interesting person. We should talk. And like, maybe we'll collaborate on something in the future. Cause like, like, I think he's like a really cool dude attacking the games industry from, you know, he's doing like $5 betas for his game right now. And it's right. like, and he's like funding himself, not like super big, like not like Minecraft, but he was able to come to Indicate. He was able to eat at Indicate. He'll hopefully be able to travel on this small shoestring budget because he's like eight years younger than me. He's got a different place in life. He's where I wish I was like eight years ago, like an angry black person who wants to be, <laughs> be <laughs> somewhere. like he has a he's like, I'm going to make games and try to like get myself everywhere and be super all about self-promotion. And hopefully my stuff will talk for itself but then other people also realize that yeah like i am somebody like who's different also like you have to own both and it it kind of sucks like i don't want to have to own like being a minority and being a good person too but i feel like if you don't slap one with the other people don't listen to you as much because they're like ah, whoever whatever and then you call them out on something and they're like oh (laughs) like oh i see you are more valuable your melanin changes your value like you're a game designer who's black that changed the you're like you're like a different class of person so now we're gonna like help you because if you're just a white guy like we're like we get enough of you so you <laughs> just have to throw who you are in front of people and that's why i mean i think i and that's why I, it's weird i don't i don't know anybody else besides tj who actively goes after this stuff 
And I like harass people until I'm like, yeah, let's have this conversation in this corner. And I've been having it for years with people where I would make jokes like at my old job. I'd say like, this is the blackest corner of the room because I'm like, <laughs> we're the only people here you can see over there. And like people would talk about it. And I tried to start like a black. I, if I had more time, I wanted to start the black awareness club that would have been for anybody and would have taught about a lot of stuff in our in our job. It's just everybody's working so hard. And it was just like I knew it was going to be like some weird disruption that could have gotten me fired for doing it. And it would have been like a crazy blaze of glory. But <laughs> I also needed to, you know, eat. it's it's kind of crazy because it's like you're having to fight like class at the same time a lot of times. Right. And you're worried that you'll get fired if you're too loud about something. Yeah, you kind of have to not, you got not necessarily not talk up, but you also have to kind of eggshell it a lot so that you don't come off as all the bits and pieces and stereotypes that people have already put upon you. To, mm-hmm. and, it, and it makes it a, a little bit more difficult. Um, the panel that you had with with Diana, what was the reception to that? Because I know a lot of a lot of folks. I know you guys were kind of nervous. Yeah. <laughs> doing doing your panel, um, but it, but it it went off really really well. Uh, what was the reception like? Yeah, um, all of my I mean everybody I knew was just like that's an amazing talk to me and like a million like a like every woman I think in the room like went up to my wife like went up to Diana and said thank you for giving <laughs> that talk. Like I don't think a lot of them. It's funny because a lot of people didn't come up to me that I didn't know. I mean, a few, actually, a few said, <laughs> actually, a few said, like, that was a great talk. But I feel like, I felt like the most important part of that talk was to take her. Like, she's a very valuable person to me. I think she's super smart and she's very into games. Like, she, as like cultural phenomenon, she's been wanting to, like, you know, dabble in making them too, like, to express herself in that medium. And, she felt very reticent just because, you know, being a Latin woman makes you very different. Like she had an instance where, um, at a birthday party for, uh, my daughter's best friend's older brother, her younger brother was there and he was crying and, uh, Diana runs in and, you know, we're all friends and she picks him up because her, she and, uh, the lady, her, the, the kid's mom, like work together. Like she helped do illustrations for her book and stuff. Like she is super valuable and that without her, this book would have never come out. And so she picks up mm-hmm. this little white kid who I love that kid too. And it's not nothing negative about being white, but then a woman, right. another woman, a white woman says, Oh, who's your maid? And it's like, you know, Diana, <laughs> wow. skinned, long black haired woman. It's like, no, you're the maid. And it's like, well, no, like, I mean, I think you're confusing her for the stereotype of what you think Mexican people are. Right. But that's not true either. Like, you don't know anything about anything. Like, just darker skin, black. Like, you're confusing your stereotypes, first off. But you shouldn't be airing those stereotypes in reality anyway. Because, like, Mexican people aren't maids. Mexican people aren't anything. They're portrayed by that in, like, media. Like, I mean, I stumbled upon... Like, I I really like Seinfeld as a kid. And I like it as an adult. But going back to it uh they never really treated black people badly they treated them as normal people they 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 actually made jokes that they didn't have any like they like george makes a joke he's looking for black friends because he's like because he makes because he makes a (laughs) he call he says his 
boss looks like Sugar Ray Leonard, and his boss says, "Oh, we all look like," and and like his boss sort of does look like, and they look make like sure in the end that like nobody else sees it except this one like black waiter. So they treat them pretty like they treat black people pretty normally on the show, but all the like right. Asian people have terrible accents, and like you mm-hmm. know, Babu the uh, right Middle right. Eastern guy or right. I forget he has yeah Pakistani. There you go. Yeah, he has terrible accent. And like he's terrible stereotype character, and uh, all the like Latin people, like in the first season even, like, and they've got like that the the gay Puerto Rican dude who's right. like, who does not right. want to wear the ribbon? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I know he's a comedian and he's probably friends with Jerry. He's even on Louis C.K.'s new show, like as a neighbor, but he's right. a normal person on Louis' show. Whereas on on and they even had you know that whole episode on Seinfeld where they burned the Puerto Rican flag, and I didn't see it as such a big deal. But, you know, then having a wife who's Latin and she's also like she gets this from all ends. Like in art school, she makes feminist art. People say you need to make right. this more Latin. And it's like, what? Right. Like, <laughs> Do you make your stuff more black or white or whatever? And people might actually say, like, yeah, like I've come from my experience. And it's like she's coming from her experience as a woman. She is a person mm-hmm. like people don't treat her like a person a lot. So. You know, coming into like the tech, or not tech community, but games community, which I often feel alienated from just coming in as a person who just like, I don't find myself, I don't find myself as a part of any of these groups. And I feel very new to it. Uh, still, like if I feel new, like what does she feel like as someone who's not as adept at talking about all this stuff as I am? Like I'm, I'm like the, raging like horse who's just like my opinion <laughs> all over everybody and she's more like likely to let like she's more likely to get steamrolled by somebody like me like you know like it's it's like our our like it's our dynamic is like i'm super strong-willed and she's very stubborn but like we work somehow i don't know so like she didn't want to run into like you know super nerd who would be like ah actually blah blah, blah and just like crapping all of her ideas she doesn't want to deal with that Right. So what's great is that I got to that, like, I, I really want, I really, I, I pitched this talk because I wanted her to be able to speak about her experiences and speak as, and be a, like a show how inspirational of a person she is to a large group of people who are like my peers so that they can become her peers and actually see like, she's very valuable. She can kind of walk into a room and it's like, oh, she spoke at Indicate. I know who she is. I'm not going to look down right. on her, you know, like, and it's just, it might be like a weird self-serving thing, but I just, I fear, I fear that I don't want her to have like a super negative experience. And she's already had a super negative experience at Indiecade. I'm not going to really get into that much oh, from, really? yeah, oh. it's from a really entitled person who also like, we were talking about that dude, Brian, who was at Indiecade and me and him like tall, right. tall guy, darker skin than me, different hair texture than me. Doesn't have a beard. <laughs> as glasses. They look very oh, different. But I mean, we have similarish facial features, maybe. Where he, you're where when tall. he walked in, yeah, he's a tall guy, and he walks in, and they're like, "Oh, you're speaking today," and he's like, "No, but I think I know who you're talking about." <laughs> and then later on, this this same person who like kind of went raging bull on Diana about like like this woman like went on her about like i'm gonna tell you what it's like to be a white lady in the 80s in new york and it's like no one asked you right but like so this was that same person said oh it was great that you asked that question for aria the keynote lady about her being the first african-american woman to like keynote a games conference 
And I was right. like, I wasn't in that room. <laughs> oh, I only saw him from behind. I thought it was you. <laughs> which is which is funny because that was the way I met Brian. I ran over to Brian later on after that and was like, thank you for asking that question. Yeah, uh, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I knew that it was yeah, not exactly. you. <laughs> and I was just like, I, so, you know, that can come. And this person's big in the community. I'm not going to throw them under the bus because whatever, because sure. I'm. I'm I'm sort of decent. Um, but uh, like, but, but it was. Uh, no, I was just gonna say like I was I was so super happy like Diana got through it and you know she we spent so much time planning it and then we kind of just like she's like a, she's been an art teacher so she's you know gone to art school so she knows how to speak for herself like I respect the way I respect who she is I respect and so she pretty much like we had a. We had a, like, a talking points, but I pretty much had to, like, force myself to shut up because that's not something I'm used to doing. And, right. like, I wanted her to be the voice in the room at the time. And I, I and it's like, I don't yeah. want to sound like I'm, like, letting her do anything. I just wanted her to be empowered in front of a community that she doesn't necessarily feel empowered in front of. And I feel like it went over really well. No, I think it, it came off really, really well. It was, it was good. I mean, the panel will, will hopefully get a copy of it at some point once they put it up on the site. And it was, it was about, you know, her coming into the team or the, the one man team. Of I, mean, you. I have a programmer too. And, 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 and a programmer and a composer. So yeah, I mean, she was the fourth person. Yeah. And what it was like for you two to start doing collaborative work together as a married couple, which was, which was interesting in and of itself. But I, but I, but she totally took command of, of, of the space and, and was really, really great in the panel. And it was, it was a good panel. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up in a second, but I, but I want to, um, ask you one other question and then I want you to bust out all the Kickstarter info and all the other social media info that you have, uh, so people can follow and support the Kickstarter. The, the question I had was seeing as how you and Diana have been working on this, working on this game now you've, you've been doing this project for you know a while um and you you mentioned that your uh earlier that your daughter is a huge part not necessarily just of you know because the family because she's part of the family but it's interesting to see how she's probably going to take to this game when it comes out having a female protagonist and having all these things i'm not sure if she's necessarily a gamer um i don't know if we've talked about that at all but do you feel that this particular game with all the uh things that you're talking about in it what you're trying to portray all the all the 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 different kinds of characters that that she at some point will look at this maybe when she's older and say wow this was a really great effort by my family to to push to push a lot of boundaries we i try to make that i try to tell her talk to her about it i mean she's 12 she's going on 13 so She's, you know, at that age where we can have, you know, like real conversations about stuff. And like, as I was saying before, like I was talking about talking to her about, I was talking to her about like Malcolm X and she's like, oh, you know, they don't really talk about him in school. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I was like, so I'm going to tell you about it and all this stuff. And she, she actually, yesterday we had this long talk about history and stuff. Um, and that's why I said like, you know, this is why all of what we're doing is very important because and she, uh, and I, I have to constantly, not constantly, but, uh, because I was working with, because I am still working with Sony, uh, they, 
they put my trailer on like a in vitas across the country so i was able wow. to walk her and i i kind of had this idea that maybe she didn't think this was real you know because you just see right. you see your your dad just sitting at his desk all the time working on something and that's like video games and it's like she plays games a bit like she plays she's been playing flappy bird with all her friends recently <laughs> she plays this weird like free to play like poo game i don't know what it's about it's like you take care of it's like a it's like a pet game but it's a cartoon piece of poop that can skateboard <laughs> and you have to clean it and you can change its color. I don't understand. It's like a thing with her friends or whatever. So, I mean, she was kind of let down by like the hard game, hardcore games market because she was super into Pokemon, but those right. games are mm-hmm. so badly designed. Like they're, right. they're the same almost as when I was 14 and yeah. like Pokemon yeah. Red came out and they're just like, you know, if you're going to make a game with a fire dude on the cover, could you make him do fire when you get him? So that's more interesting instead of making him have a bite and scratch in grass. Like, it just didn't, like, the whole grindy aspect of Pokemon just didn't gel with her. And I feel like that in its of itself, combined with, you know, the nature of all these tablets and everything and having a phone made, made like, gaming, like, less of a priority for her. She's more into, like, music and dance and stuff. But... I, I, th- she looks at all this stuff and, uh, one of the characters, there's a, there's an enemy character. We haven't really told her she's an enemy yet, but she's like, uh, she's <laughs> a, you know, Puerto Rican woman named Mercedes and she's got like, you know, like a white t-shirt with, uh, blue jeans and like, uh, gray and like neon pink, like high tops on. <laughs> and so, and she's got, you know, like long brown hair. And so, my daughter's been asking, like, mommy's in the game. Like, why aren't I in the game? And so, like, Diana said, she, hey, she's you. And she's actually a pretty badass enemy in that she's got, like, she's fairly heavily influenced by a... It's actually... See, this is where, like, weird depth comes in. It's like, sh- there's this uh Puerto Rican uh Balrog player named PR Balrog, right, for uh, Street Fighter. Oh, yeah. So she's Puerto Rican, and she has a headbutt. And boxing moves because she's a little bit like Balrog and she's yeah. dressed like a little bit like, you know, the white t-shirt with jeans. <laughs> so it's kind of like this weird level of like, she looks like someone who could be on the street, but she fights like a, like Balrog because there's a Puerto Rican Balrog player who loves Balrog. So it's like these weird like levels. And she's like, Oh, that's cool. Cause he, she looks like someone who can mess you up. Cause she's got this cool <laughs> dash punch and an uppercut and like, you know, she really likes all my animation. Like she's grown up around me doing animation because of a uh, SVA. And she used to call like my first. And it's funny because my, my thesis project was like a white dude with like flowing hair, like walking down the street. And she would always call him the walking man. And it was just funny because, yeah, because I had to animate that walk so much. So she's seen my animation grow and she really like likes all that. And I think she likes the art that I do. And, but just, we always have to sit down and say like, yeah, we're making something important. And that's actually part of where our conversation came from yesterday was I was telling her, it's like me and mommy are doing something very important. We're trying to do this Kickstarter thing because that's like, that's new. Also, you know, there, like, there's a lot of success on it. There's very little, there's been very, a lot in the recent months, but in general, there haven't been many like black, like game successes on the Kickstarter. There's like, almost no like latin women starring in a game ever so right 
Like we're trying to do something that's like, you know, it's none of it's surface level. It's all super important. And it's it's like, yeah, we could make a game that didn't have any of that. So I think she understands that. I think she'll I think that's she'll right. I don't think she thinks we're all wasting our time, which is very important to me. That, yeah, that is that is yeah. definitely yeah. the 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 Kickstarter. Like, you know, we want to I want to make sure that people know that the Kickstarter is out there, that we you know, that they need to go to the site and and check out check out some videos of the game. And there's a lots, you know, lots of write ups there. Um, because we, you know, we want to be able to, I want to be able to play this. I want to have it in my hands and, and listen to the soundtrack. Um, before we really quickly, before we get into the, the particulars of the Kickstarter, the game is in an 8-bit style. It's in the very, you know, it's, as soon as you see it, you think of Double Dragon, you think of Double Dragon on your, on your NAS. Um, what was the inspiration behind going for the 8-bit style and, and, you know, really like, delving into that and, and just kind of embracing that style um well i wanted to make i it, it used to be this giant crazy over the top like guilty gear style thing where i was like mm-hmm. yeah but you know you're never gonna get a, it done that way trying to hit like the highest fidelity right. and so i scaled it back and i was like i'm gonna make a brawler and then i started and then i thought well what style should i use and you know pixel 8-bit whatever but like i didn't i don't really like vector artwork that much like very clean artwork so i was just like um so and you know i i've always i thought pixel art is a very challenging thing to do to try to capture all this information in something so lo-fi so and then i you know i was just like well let me look at double dragon like one on the nes like that was i i i've i've got an essay inside me on I, I started writing something. It was like why Double Dragon One on the NES is a better game than God of War. And it was talking <laughs> about how at its time it had way better graphics, music, has an RPG leveling system, all that stuff. So it's such a it, it I don't know why, but it came back to me in the recent years. It became like this like kind of this benchmark for all games. That it's weird to think that like an NES game came back as a benchmark for games. And it's just more about stuff like well, how varied is the game? How all is this? So I looked at that game and I was like, yeah, let me look at all this. And when I look back at my art and I put it up against it, I actually took a lot of liberties. Like the closest thing is the eye structure for the characters. Like they have like two dots and then a, that's pretty much their eye. But I actually still took it and I gave every character like an eye color or whatever. And I it just, I think making one single sprite in that style ended up letting me make my own style. Because like all the double dragon people have these tiny little feet and all my characters have really big feet. Right. So it's like, <laughs> it just became a style. Like, and so it was like a really nice template to start with all this stuff. And I've had to really work a lot on that because uh, there's a lot of interesting things. Like I was working with this weird one to two pixel depth. And if you notice like some games where the lines look too thin somewhere and they look too thick other times. Right. And it right. starts to render really weird. And I actually had to. All my background art, I had to go into Photoshop and just make it 50% and then make it 200% again. And it crushed all my art and I had to redo a lot of it because it was just, I was doing it badly. Like it looked nice, but it just wouldn't come out right. And it just didn't have enough detail. So it was just like this, it's like this interesting template where you can say like, okay, I'm going to limit myself to this. I, I had like one of the most fun I ever had in graphic design was when they had a, a, 
assignment that was called like the Zen assignment. And it said, do whatever you want, which is such a trick because I totally right. got told like, why did you do this this way? And I'm like, <laughs> you told me to do whatever I want. But what I did was I, I said, I'm going to take a black and a red pen and I'm just going to doodle with those two. And that's going to be my limit. So yeah. I, I actually really like limiting myself to very simple things like saying, I'm going to limit myself to three colors or four colors with this because I think you can get very powerful. Like my company logo used to be a lot different. It used to have like an arcade machine and like green in it. And now it's just pink, black and white. And it was designed actually by placing two rectangles down on a white, a uh, white screen. And then I was like, Oh yeah, that looks like NC. Like just looking at it like that and coming from a graphic design background, just limiting yourself feels so much better. So I was like, I can actually get somewhere. As soon as I put those limits on, I was like, yeah, I can do that. But at the same time, I wanted to have this like toe the line between like, cause I can do expressive animation with four frames of animation. If I wasn't a good animator, then maybe I shouldn't do it that way. But having those limits allows me to actually do probably more than what most people could in my situation. Like, I don't, I don't like so many people look at pixel art as like this, like, Hey, why are you doing that? It's so easy. And it's like, yeah, I, I think it is easy for some people when you make box boy saves box girl in world right. full of boxes, <laughs> right. but I'm making like <laughs> characters that are based on like this giant artwork. And I'm having to then distill that into like eight pixels on their face and try to show facial hair, like, you know, Mario style, like facial hair and eye color and hair color and hairstyles. So it's. It's actually very fun to try to work within those limits. All right. Well, right on, right on. So, all right. So let's, let's, uh, let's talk about the Kickstarter. Let's, you know, let's talk about, uh, what you're trying to do and, and how much more time we have and, uh, what people are going to find when they get there and, and, you know, why it's important that people support you. Yeah. Uh, well, the, so the Kickstarter ends on, I think, March 15th. Um, okay. As of right now, we're at like, we're looking for $50,000, which I've had people say that seems high. Uh, it's kind of weird to me because right. I'm like, it's, I actually looked at it when a friend asked me to break it down because I have a friend who's still working at a dev company and he has other devs who are like, well, how much money is he allocating towards things? And I was like, I started to freak out because, you know, Kickstarter and Amazon take about 10% when you're done. Like right. total. So oh, okay. like I you lose like anybody who does any Kickstarter loses 10% off the top. And then when you're fulfilling rewards, you're going to be in like another five to 10%. Right. Right. And right. then, uh, so then the rest is pretty much to pay for composer and to pay so that me and my programmer can eat and live for the next year. Like that's, I think that's perfectly valid. Like we're not rich people. We don't. Right. We don't right. have to, we can't, like my, the programmer, um, Manny, he like was working three jobs before I was able to, you know, pull together some money. And I've like dumped like, you know, I dumped my 401k after I left Rockstar into doing the LLC so that I could work with Sony. Like, cause, cause they take half immediately. And then the right. rest I had, I, I probably paid for like a couple of like Christmas presents and then the rest was like my LLC. So it's like, I'm dumping my own money into this. A lot of people have been, like, right. I've been dumping money into it all year, like for a year and a half already. So like 50 grand to take us till next year is not that much. Cause like, right. right. Like it's, and if my wife wasn't working full time, like 
we have a kid like you know it's it's weird right, it's, right. it feels very weird to me because i <laughs> like, i have a whole different living situation than somebody who maybe lives with their parents or whatever right. and i feel like i don't actually want to ask anybody for anything i if someone just said hey sean you're a cool guy we want to get this project done i'd say cool i'll dump the kickstarter let's work on it like i would right. still involve the but right. i think a key part of the, the kickstarter is that we're trying to make sure that everybody even at the lowest tier gets in at least two to three months early so that they can help us balance the game. And then people who are at like a $40 tier, they can, we will send them builds and we'll just say like, yeah, give us whatever notes. Like if you like the art, whatever, like if you like the balancing, if you think the game's too hard, if you think it's too easy and we'll, you know, compare notes because this game's a beat em up fighting ish game and it's going to have all these it needs all these community aspects to it. You know, Street Fighter isn't Street Fighter became Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo because of a community that had all this right. like influence. And that was pre-internet. Like we've got a million Street Fighter 4s because the community keeps wanting more input. And I feel like, right. you know, to give people who are less experienced, people who are hardcore gamers. I want to give them all the influence on that. And I mean, that's that's why we're asking. I've I've worked at, you know, high budget games low budget games so i think i have and i've ex and I've, I've excruciatingly studied like every kickstarter that i could over the last like year and a half or so before even launching and thinking like well where do i want to hit and i i was even like well i should probably hit like a hundred grand but there's being a person who doesn't i don't have a giant community for this and that might be that's partially like my fault like that i haven't tried but it's like it's really weird like when you're working so hard and you're just under this like tremendous pressure to get something done and it's hard to actually reach out to every community and say hey guys like i see right. we're talking about our game let's right. keep talking about this so that's what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks like we've got a bunch of stuff i think like cross promotion and some other stuff and i'm on here i mean you invited me on here and i really appreciate that because i'm here to talk to everybody i I wouldn't ask for any money from anyone if I didn't really, really believe in this. And it's not like, and it's not like this weird, like, oh, you know, I'm going to make a game about circles eating other circles because my dead grandmother, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It's like, right. like this game has a lot of that weird stuff and it's got a lot more to it. Like it's got like, like our, our game. I mean, it's about. Barack Obama gets kidnapped by <laughs> the Ninja Dragon terrorist organization and the the billionaire mayor Mike Moneybags won't <laughs> won't let the the police department the East Fulton Police Department investigate without billions more from the government so the government's in a tight place the the police are in a tight place the head of the police is Antonio Santiago he's Lisa's dad he calls her so that's kind of interesting like you know he, he, he has no power, so he calls her, and she right. has to round up the guys to go to right. figure this out. But then it's also dealing with stuff like, well, why is this billionaire mayor, like, holding all this stuff up? Why is he demanding money from the government? Why is he holding all... Like, what lengths will, like, the, the rich... deal? It has a lot to do with classism, a lot to do with gentrification, because, like... All the artwork, you know, you'll see like store for rent in like our brand new building next to a building that's totally torn apart next right. to a building that doesn't even exist. Uh, and a lot of the characters have these, all the enemies have like backstories. All the players have backstories. There's like on, um, 
on my Twitter account, beatdown underscore city, I just changed the icon to one of the enemies. Uh, he's named Gene Z, which is, uh, <laughs> if you look at him, he's <laughs> kind of a reference of a lot of things. His name is Skinny Gene Z, so it's kind of a weird <laughs> pun in that his name is Skinny Jeans. Right. But like, uh-huh. he's, but he also looks like a, a famous rapper. And, but also, he, like, his whole lot in life is he, he's all about just getting his music out to people and he's all about the hustle and you know those guys are the most annoying people on the planet and i you half respect them and half just want them to get out of your face because you're like right. i understand your hustle but leave me alone because you've seen me like five times this week dude right, like, right. Stop bothering. <laughs> like i'm not going to give you any money for this but at the same time his he kind of gets roped into fighting people a lot of times like so it's kind of like he'll be there and he'll be like trying to sell you his cd and someone else will say, like, we're going to fight this guy. And he's like, nah, I don't want to be. It's like, oh, I'm in this fight. Right. Like, you know, characters that have that you can have empathy for. We're trying to make a like a crazy multi-tiered system where, yes, you're playing a game where you're fighting people using like a new mechanic. I think that's important. That's like we want to definitely change what beat em ups are like. We want to encourage people to play interestingly. And again, like. Whenever we give it to people, most times people say, yeah, I love this, or I want to write about this, or I want to talk to you more about this and then write about it. Like, and they go off because they're like, oh, this is so new and so fresh and so cool. And, but it's like a hard sell on paper in a lot of ways. And, and so that's there. The gameplay is there. That's above and beyond a lot of it. And yes, you're playing, you know, big brawler, brawlic, uh, wrestler guy he's he's like got a weird backstory where he's a mexican immigrant but he's really like from spanish heritage so that's why he's like a lot lighter skinned but he's technically illegal so it's kind of like trying to redefine what the term like illegal immigrant is because people don't think about that like an illegal immigrant well a that we were a lot of people were illegal immigrants like everyone who came here in a boat was kind of an illegal immigrant onto like native land like if you look at history, like the Vikings showed up a long time ago, and the reason why they left is because the natives said, "Get out of our land! Right. You are not taking <laughs> us over." So right. you know this his- this country is about illegal immigration. Right. So that's kind of what his character is, and he's kind of laying low in East Fulton. And then there's uh Bruce Maxwell, who's a Jamaican dude who's all into like he grew up around. Uh, he actually. Like his story is kind of weirdly deep too. Like he's, uh, he grew up in poverty with his family who came here from Jamaica and he ended up, uh, take their family took in a local Chinese family and he lived with them in the projects. And when he got older, he's just really good at math. So when he got older, he became like this super rich dude who's like a stockbroker who does business with like China and a lot of Asian countries because he's super fascinated with Asian culture and his Jamaican roots. So he does like Jeet Kune Do and Capoeira. So he's got like these two fighting styles. And then there's Lisa who's, you know, she doesn't actually want to really be a cop like her dad, but she does it anyway because he's like, like she wants to be like weird, like approval stuff. Right. Right. And, but she's more into like forensic science. Like that's what she wants to do. Mm -hmm. But she also likes to fight. Like she takes MMA and boxing classes. So that's kind of just her thing. So it's like, you know, these characters aren't like, and and we also like Bruce and Lisa went to high school together. Like they all have like this, and they all have this admiration for Brad, like the big wrestler guy, because he's older and he's. But he has like because he's a little older, and because he's also sort of like 
from like he's from the Texas area. He has a little bit more like like and everybody has like flaws about them. Like he's a little bit more conservative. Bruce is kind of brash and right. like kind of like always likes to uh like show off in front of Lisa or women in general, even though he's like a little insecure and Lisa's like kind of very by the books. So like if stuff like if like if something's wrong, but it's actually for a right cause, she might not want to do it. Kind of like, you know, Captain America in that recent movie where he's like, I'm not going to fight against this because the the country's right. Like she's kind of like she's got that like rule stickler mentality to her. So try to create deep characters. It's I, I think, honestly, if people think about games as a whole, people wouldn't want to trade them in immediately. Because, like, you know, you play, like, Call of Duty, and it's, like, if you play the single player, you give that game back in three days because, A, it's over, but, right. B, you didn't get anything out of it. Right. Right. Like, right. they try to make the... They spend millions of dollars. They spend... Like, people are like, yo, $50,000. Like, they spent, like, $10 million, $100 million, $200 million on this game. That doesn't do anything. And, and interesting, doesn't have even a tenth of the background or backstory that the two characters you just spoke yeah. about. Right, right. <laughs> which, which, which just really just blew my mind, actually. Cause what you just said, those two characters have more depth than half the characters I've played in the past year. You know, like those, those are things that I remember when I used to play games would be on, you know, in the manuals when yep. you would pull it There's out. Huge, and say, huge backstory on the, on the character. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. I really like that and yep. appreciate it. We're gonna that. make it. I mean, like we've got, I think, a thirty dollars tier where you get a manual, and a like nice. another tier where you get a strategy guide, and like <laughs> these, they're like PDFs. But like, we're gonna like we're artists. I like these stories actually don't take long to write because I know people who deal with all this stuff. So it's like, like I think that's why it's so easy to just be like, yeah, I'm gonna write about this person because like right. like my old boss uh, at GameStop. Uh, best person in the whole planet like i invited him to my wedding like that's the only mm. boss i would ever invite to my wedding wow. like we're we're like <laughs> kind of like family we're he's just always super supportive of me he's like this cuban dude who's slightly a little bit and you know like in a lot of like latin families there's like this always like this slightly more conservative lean in a lot of ways like of right. older generations right like right. he's not super conservative and like my boss before him was super conservative and i've had like a i had a crazy like this italian dude who was my boss for a while and like he said some of the worst things like it was funny there was like there was just jokes and and it was a whole multicultural staff but i remember one time he was just like because uh i was working with this like two two i guess he used to work with two black guys and then he worked with just one in our store and he said something like he's like black guys will have sex with anything and i was like <laughs> i was like i'm right here he's like nah you're different I'm like, right. I'm like right. what? But so I'm like, I've dealt with like all these weird. Can I can I beat him yeah. up in the game? Right. Uh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Definitely, there's a personification of him in another character, like one of the one of the cop. There's like these because the cops can't do anything, so there are these security right. forces that are like private security for the mayor. So it's dealing with like, can rich people just have their own private security force? And right. what happens? So then one of those characters is based on two really bad characters from the Occupy movement, these cops. Um, one of the, you know, the famous guy who mustard sprayed that whole crew of people just holding right, it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, this dude has like a red beard just like him. He's like kind of like slightly right. overweight. 
kind of like you get to fight this Occupy enemy in the game. Because, you know, why not, right? Like, like I don't like authority anyway, so I'm like, if you're going to fight, like, people, might as well fight the most contemptible cops out there. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Totally, totally. So we're going to – I want to thank you again. You have been ridiculously <laughs> awesome for, for being Thank you on the for show. having me. Like, it's really appreciated. Yeah. No, honestly, it's been great. No, it's been I'm really excited that the Kickstarter is doing pretty well, and hopefully this will help, you know, push it a little bit further and, and all those good things because we want this to succeed. As you can hear from just this uh, interview alone, you are super passionate about it. It's it's really important for people to see the representation that you're trying to, to put out there in the world, and um, uh, we're really happy that you came through and talked about yeah. it with us. Yeah. Yeah, thank yeah. you for having me. Uh, so we want you to please uh, share all your social information, social uh, media information, so that people can follow you, yeah. support, so and uh, grow your community. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah, um, so I, my Twitter account is a new challenger. It's N U instead of E W. So A N U C H A L L E N G E R. Uh, Beatdown underscore City is the game's Twitter. I don't. I get on there. It's really hard to manage two Twitter accounts. Uh, oh, I, have, yeah. I have other ones <laughs> that I don't really use that often, but uh, if someone found them, I don't know. Um, and I don't, but yeah, it's like super hard just to manage two. I don't know how people have like three or four like alts or whatever. Um, uh, new challenger, just straight up nuchallenger.com is the site is like the company's website, beatdowncity.com, the game's website. And if you look up treachery and beatdown city or if you in on kickstarter or if you go to bit bit slash uh, dot ly slash beatdown 2014 uh that's like the quick url to get to the kickstarter nice, very very nice. dope very very dope cicero do you want to share uh social media stuff so we can uh, get everybody. All right. Well, uh, you know, I, I am at Stubby Stan. You can find, uh, lots of my ramblings there. And Khalif is at Kajikins. And we are at, uh, at Spawn on Me for stuff with uh, having to do with the show. If you want to go to our wonderful website, you can go to, uh, spawnpointblog.com or at spawnpointblog and on, uh, on Twitter. And like us on Facebook at the. It's like facebook.com slash the spawn point, spawn point blog. blog. Yeah, not spawn point gaming blog, which is, you know, yeah. we got that too. But a whole yeah, other but, thing. You know, it, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Um, Sean, Sean, this was, this has been wonderful. Um, you know, one of the things that I have to say is that we learned long, long ago not to judge a book by its cover. It's 2014. You've got a pixel, pixel art game. Which, which, you know, for some people that's, you know, that's really in, but some, for some people there's a sense of nostalgia. For other people, it just doesn't look, you know, it's not running at 60 frames per second in 1080p. Yeah. So, so that's, you know, that's not the, that's not the thing, you know, that's not something that they're going to look at. I implore everyone that's listening to this to go to the, go to the Kickstarter, take a look at the video. If you've listened to this interview, you you've heard the the level of passion and thought that's gone into creating a game that we can all be proud of. Um, take a look, and and what you'll see is much more than than meets the eye. Did I just quote the Transformers? You totally just oh, heard, you totally just quoted the Transformers. But 
but yeah yeah and we would love to have you back on the show especially for new projects and let us know how everything right. is going with treachery right. yeah no doubt like i and i would love to just talk to you to you dudes outside of it too <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah absolutely yeah absolutely like the one thing totally. that i just hate is I, I hate and i like i like to talk but I always feel like I'm like talking at people and people are like, yeah, I like what you have to say. But I'm like, I want to hear what people have to say too. Right. It's always nicer to have word, word. real conversations just because I'm always stuck at home also. Right. <laughs> I'm here by myself. All day. No, I really, that's the thing. I really want to, that's the thing. I want people to have conversations with us about the things that they're passionate mm-hmm. about. It's the only way that everyone is going to get together and make, make dope things happen. So <laughs> again, we want to thank you for coming through. And uh, this has been episode four of the Spawn on Me cast. We will see you in a couple of weeks. And uh, we hope to speak to you in a bit. Go to kickstarter.com, treachery and beatdown city. Do it, Do now. it now. Thank Get you. Get to the chopper. Peace. Absolutely. Peace, guys. Peace.